0: This is Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the truth of God from the Bible to encourage you in your knowledge of God as well as your confidence, gratitude, and faithfulness in Him. Or so that you will hear the true gospel, come to genuine faith in Christ Jesus, and receive eternal life from God if you have not already welcome and thank you for joining us in this podcast we will biblically answer this very important question what is a Christian what is a Christian again this is an excellent and hugely important question some would say why is that so important well a few reasons very quickly number one because it's imperative that people know the truth of God. Because if you care, you must know that eternity lies in the balance. And there are many false teachings in our world, even many claiming to be Christian, that mislead people away from the truth and away from God, actually. Secondly, because the Bible encourages people to be diligent to confirm whether or not they're actually a, a Christian. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Peter writes that. And thirdly, sadly, because according to Jesus and other places in the Bible and current statistics and analytics, the majority, a great majority of people who actually think they're Christian, meaning they think that they have eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and they will go to the kingdom of heaven, are not actually a Christian at all. This is dreadful. This is like me for many years of my life when I presumed I was a Christian because I understood some information when yet I was not, which means that many people claiming to be Christian are currently living with a false sense of security And they need to hear the truth. And fourthly, so that people can understand what is expected of them if they do become a Christian, if they're not yet one. Jesus says, count the cost if you want to follow me and receive my benefits. And then fifthly, to encourage you if you are a Christian on what you are and whose you are and the beautiful call that God has placed on your life. To do this, we will use the Bible to give our answer to what is a Christian. We must answer though what is not a Christian. A few things that people think makes a person a Christian, starting with a person who simply claims to be a Christian or affiliates with Christian traditions. Simply claiming to be a Christian or following Christian traditions does not make you a Christian. Or secondly, a person who goes to church and does church activities. Simply going to church does not make you a Christian. You're not a Christian just because you go to church. You may be, but not necessarily. Or a person who intellectually believes that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross for sins. There's many people who believe that Jesus did die on the cross and he died on a cross for sins. And they think that he is the way or a way to salvation. And they believe that's true, but that does not make a person a Christian. Fourthly, a person who has said a prayer and invited or asked Jesus in their heart, they recited the sinner's prayer. This is very misleading, because simply saying a prayer or requesting Jesus to do something does not mean that you are actually receiving that which you are requesting and inviting Jesus to do. Christianity is far more than this. Or Christianity is is not a person who's had an emotional feeling when they hear the gospel. Sometimes people say, oh, I heard the gospel. I just had this feeling inside, so I must now be a Christian. Not necessarily. Or a person who's been water baptized in the name of Christ. This does not make you a Christian. There's many people who've been baptized in water in the name of Jesus who are not actually Christian. Nor are you a Christian simply because your parents are Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. People think you're a Christian automatically if your parents are Christian. This is not true. There's no one nowhere in, nowhere in the Bible is that stated. While the, the things mentioned may be good in themselves, these things alone do not make a Christian. And many people are led astray and led to believe they are Christians from some of these items and more. But a Christian, according to the Bible, is far more than what we've already stated. So again, what is a Christian? Well, as you may know, this term Christian, Christianos in Greek, was not a term used when Jesus was on the earth or before. It came about several years later in the city of Antioch when believers in Christ or disciples were first called Christians, Acts 11, verse 26. Prior to this, those who followed Jesus, believed in Jesus, were known as followers of the way. A Christian therefore, Christianos, is a follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus. This is important that we understand that a Christian is a disciple because Jesus told his apostles in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, "Go and make disciples of all the nations." A Christian is a disciple. To understand what a Christian is, we must understand what a disciple is. And generally speaking, a disciple is a person who believes and follows and spreads the teaching of their master. So a Christian, by definition, is one who trusts in Jesus Christ not just intellectually believes, but trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work and the merits of his life for their righteousness and salvation with God. And furthermore, follows Jesus Christ means they, that this person will do what Jesus teaches and then subsequently will spread the teachings of Christ in various ways as they're called throughout their life. There is a passage in the Bible, which I believe to be the clearest and most comprehensive description of a Christian in the Bible. There's many, but this one stands out to me, and we will use it today. And it comes from Paul's letter to his friend Titus, this little letter towards the back of the Bible, which is loaded with power and beautiful truth. It's Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14, and I'm going to read that now and then unpack it, and I will give you, according to this passage, seven identifications, markers of a true Christian. What is a Christian? What does a Christian do? What is truly a Christian? Here is what Paul writes to his friend Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 and following. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, not just Jews, for people around the world. Not every person, but people everywhere. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous to do good works. This is a beautiful passage, very descriptive of a Christian, and I will unpack it for your benefit hopefully. For starters, what is a Christian? Number one, a Christian is a person who has been saved by God. This is foundational. It's not just a person who wants to be saved. It's not just a person who knows he or she needs to be saved or even realizes the way to be saved, namely Jesus. A Christian is a person who has been saved by God has salvation, meaning this person has been rescued from the penalty of their sin, which is the future wrath of God. Salvation is being rescued by God from his future judgment and wrath against all those who stand guilty before him. This is foundational. You've been forgiven of all your sin. You've been credited with the righteousness of Christ and you have eternal life. And how does this happen? As the Bible states, and Paul emphasizes here, by the grace of God. The grace of God has appeared, and the grace of God brings salvation. It is through the spiritual rebirth and loving kindness of God moving in on a person that brings them to salvation. It's not our works. It's not your good deeds you do not contribute to your salvation eternal life and forgiveness is 100% the work and the merit of Christ Jesus and by genuine faith in Christ Jesus and trust in him not only his perfect life and his merits on the cross and his resurrection but what he says you know Christ and you are a christian but this passage goes on further to identify more elements or aspects of what a true Christian, where Paul says, The grace of God has appeared, not only bringing salvation, but the grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, I must make a clarification here. This is important that I state this, and I'll say it again probably. The Bible is not saying. God is not teaching, nor am I asserting, that you must have certain qualities, behaviors, and do certain works and acts to become a Christian. This is not what the Bible saying. What a Christian does is a byproduct of what he has become. The Bible clearly states that when God makes a person a Christian, then that person will respond by doing Christian things. It's not the things they do that makes them Christian. They do things that are Christian because God has made them a Christian. Just like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. This creature is not a butterfly now because it flies. It flies because it is a butterfly. And so there are behaviors That a Christian will do because God's grace and salvation will impose these behaviors on a person. So secondly, a Christian is a person who has turned from sin and renounces sin throughout their life. This is hugely important to understand this. God's grace is training us to renounce ungodliness. In repentance, when a person is truly saved and becomes a Christian, repentance is the first move where he or she turns away from sin which they have been enslaved to. People don't realize that sin controls a person until they're saved by God. Sin is our master, we're spiritually dead. But as Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Verse 14, Christ gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify us. So we repent from the control of sin. Not that you live a perfect life and never sin again, but a Christian has turned from sin and furthermore he walks renouncing and repenting and turning from sin for the rest of his life. Jesus preached this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on a tree in order that we would die to sin and live to righteousness. Paul writes 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. And as he writes in Galatians, in chapter 5, verse 19 and following, the works of the flesh of the sinful nature are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because when God takes you over and saves you, his grace causes you to turn away from these behaviors. It is impossible for a person to continue walking in their sin if they've been saved by God and made a Christian. Again, this does not mean that a Christian has to live a perfect sinless life or will never succumb to the power and the allure of sin. But what will happen is that he or she will walk and spiritually mature by the grace of God, turning more and more away from the sin that once controlled and and in bondage them. If you are not able to turn away from sin, and able to repent from sin, then according to the Bible, you are not yet a Christian. I do not say this arrogantly, hopefully, I'm not saying this critically, I'm saying this in love, truthfully, because when God saves a person, when God's grace moves in, which is the cause of a person becoming a Christian, a follower of Christ, he follows Christ in turning away from his sin, and as that person goes through life, they will continue to repent and renounce and desire sin because their life is being changed by God. Thirdly, according to our passage, a Christian is a person who turns not only from sin, but turns from worldly passions and pursuits. We must understand that a Christian, if you are a Christian or become one, that you have been set free from the world, its messages, its bondage, its principles, and the pursuits of the world and its temporary, sometimes alluring offerings. You've been set apart. You're now holy to the Lord. The word holy means set apart. As Jesus says in John 17, verse 14 My disciples are not of this world. Jesus was not of this world. He was not here pursuing the world. He was not here following the passions that control people in the world. He was following a different agenda and a different purpose. And when the Christian, when a person is made a Christian by God, the same things happen. We are once a slave to the world and we're set free. For example, worldly endeavors and passions that a Christian is is breaking away from and renouncing through his life is a prioritized desire for materialism. That's one of the world's top agendas. Or the craving for the earthly, things that are temporal. Or self-indulgence, that's a big pattern or message of the world that purpose of life is to please yourself and do whatever you want selfish ambitions self promotion boasting in self directly and indirectly and pridefulness this is this is what the world is raging on through so many ways that you can promote yourself your identity and your hope are in your accomplishments and your value and 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 your feeling of love. This is the world's agenda and message. Not from God, but from the world. This leads to jealousy and envy and resentment of other people. You love yourself over God and others. A worldly agenda to the disregard of God and to the disregard of others. And people want and crave earthly things more than the spiritual pleasures and treasures of God, and the guidance for life comes from the world's agenda. How many people are navigating through this world following whatever agendas and messages the world tells you you must do and be to be of any value or importance and significance? The gospel is clearly contrary to that. People love sin over godliness, and they prefer their sinful behaviors, and they live according to what their sin dictates. And you can go on. A Christian is a person who's been redeemed, pulled out of worldly passions and pursuits. John writes, 1 John 2.15, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James. Four, Verse 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or hostility with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Paul writes Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, if you have been raised with Christ spiritually, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Set your mind, set your hearts on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? Not to say that things in this world are all bad. I have things in this world and I do things in this world, but that's not the pursuit and the agenda. Why? Because why can a person, why does a Christian turn from these offerings and these messages of the world? Because God's loving grace has opened that person's eyes and heart to the truth of eternity and the treasures of God. Jesus says, Matthew 13, 44, the the kingdom of God is like a treasure that is hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered up again. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has to buy the field. That's a summary of what we're talking about, a summary of the gospel that a man will do anything And give up anything in the world to have Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus says, Matthew 16. By the power of God, people give up the earthly for that which is eternal. I have a friend. It's amazing. This man, incredibly smart, was very successful in business and uh, made an extreme amount of money in business and still benefits from that. And then God's grace saved him. I mean, the man will say that he lived for himself and it was all about his gain. And then God saved him. And now every penny that he owns is in a trust that belongs to Jesus as it is written and is used to be given to ministries around the world for the purpose of the gospel. Praise the Lord. Fourthly, According to the Bible, a Christian is a person who truly lives a God honoring, God pleasing life. Again, in this stage of our life, before we're in the kingdom and glory, perfection is not required. But if you are a Christian, godliness is. Again, godly living is not the cause of you or I being a Christian, it is the result. The grace of God. Bring salvation and the grace of God, trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Why? Because this is what God wants you to do. And God's will and His power is working in your life to cause you to live a godly life. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new is gone has come 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One of the biggest lies of Satan, which crushes people and significantly hampers and hurts the church, is that Satan wants to tell you, yeah, you're a Christian, but don't expect that you can actually live like one. You're not able to do good. I mean, you're just a sinful scumbag, and all you have is forgiveness, and one day you'll go to heaven. But don't, you can't, actually walk in holiness and please God and turn from sin. I will say this, and the Bible certainly says this, if you cannot do godliness, if you cannot walk in God's righteousness and ways, then you're either super immature in your faith and you need some help immediately. And you need to get into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church as soon as possible. Or you're entangled in some very deadly sins, and you may sabotage what you think you have, and you need to repent, and you need help. Or you're simply not yet a Christian. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he or she will who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. (laughs) You can say Jesus' name and believe in him intellectually all you want, and you can even expect that he's coming to get you on the last day. But as Jesus says, that doesn't mean that you're a Christian and you're really mine. Those who are mine will do my Father's will. Jesus says, follow me follow me in many ways one of them is in the character and the holiness that i possess luke 6:46 jesus says why do you call me lord lord but do not do what i say you see the wise man does what i say and the wise man then builds his house on the rock metaphorically so when the trouble comes his house stands but the person who will not follow me and cannot do what i say it's like a house built on the sand that the storm washes away immediately. First Thessalonians chapter four verse seven. God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God. Second Timothy one nine. Paul continues. God has called us to a holy calling. Romans six seventeen. This is beautiful. Thanks be to God. His grace that you who were once slaves of sin, I can testify, have become obedient from the heart to a standard of teaching to which you are committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves to righteousness. You were committed to a standard of teaching that is contrary to God's ways. You are a slave of sin. You become obedient to the standard of God, and you're now a slave of righteousness. Did you know that? If you're a believer in Christ, did you know that a Christian is a slave of righteousness and holiness is imperative? There's no option. This is not negotiable. Christianity is not simply forgiveness of sins that gives you a free washing and then One day you go to heaven. It's a life takeover and a life change. And walking in holiness is an identification and a behavior of a true Christian. It's a byproduct of spiritual rebirth. It's not always easy to walk in holiness. Sin is very, very powerful at times. As the writer of Hebrews says, chapter 12, in your struggle against sin, You've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, but there is an escape by the grace of God. It is God's grace that works in us. Live out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, according to his good pleasure. This is what God said he would do in Ezekiel 36, when he promised to give his disobedient people whoever they would be, a new heart, and then put his spirit within them to cause them to walk in his ways. Again, if you're not able to walk in holiness, if you're not able to turn from sin and walk in holiness, then according to the Bible, you're not yet a Christian. But know this, if you are a Christian, we are called to walk in holiness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It is far more satisfying to walk in holiness according to God's grace at work than it ever is to experience the temporary pleasures of sin, for sure. And fifthly, a Christian is a person who is devoted to Christ, all in Christ. Christ is their number one priority, literally. This is a Christian. Why? Because this is what God causes a person to be when God makes a person a Christian. Because God makes you now the possession of his son. The grace of God has trained us and causes us to hope in Christ. But Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify people of his own possession. The Christian is owned, is possessed by Christ. That's why Jesus calls his followers his sheep, the ones the Father gave him, some who he will save later, lost sheep and found sheep. They're his sheep. Again, a Christian is a slave of Christ, a slave of righteousness and a slave of Christ. 1 Corinthians 16 Verse 19, following, you are not your own anymore. You may have thought you were your own and did whatever you wanted, but now you've been saved. You were bought at a price. You belong to Christ Jesus. And Christ's purpose and the mission of God becomes your mission in your heart and your life. If you're a Christian, you will grow in understanding of this mission and you will grow in effectiveness through this mission. But Christ is your life. When Jesus calls a person personally and says, follow me, a true Christian follows Christ by the grace of God. It's inevitable. That's what a Christian is, a follower of the way, a follower of Christ. Look at Peter and Andrew, John and James, a fisherman, who Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What did they do? They immediately dropped their nets. Through the keys to their, their shacks, to their father, and they followed Jesus in a three-year ministry training program, not even knowing what they got themselves into, only to be sent out into the world to preach the gospel. Matthew, a tax collector, Jesus walks up and says, follow me. Matthew gets out of his booth, follows Jesus, has a party for Jesus so his friends can meet Jesus and hear the gospel. Look at Paul, follow me. Arguably the most influential Christian of all time, had no idea, no interest, no want, no expectation ever in his life to follow Jesus until Jesus and his grace grabbed him and made him uh, sold out. A Christian, this will sound intense, but this is true. A Christian is an all-in-for-Christ individual. You're either all-in-for-Christ or you're not in. You do not want to be in the middle. Jesus says to the church in Laodicea in Revelation, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be very cold, not yet a Christian, I can come get you, or super hot walking with me, but if you're in the middle, it's game over. He says that. Again, you don't have to live a perfect life, nor does this a does God's call in your life require you to resign from your current job and Go to seminary and then go to some country and preach the gospel. You may, but you have plenty of work to do right there in your office or your hometown with your team and your school, uh, with your friends and your neighborhood, wherever for the gospel. But you are all in for Christ. And Jesus himself says this. He, he, the bar is high for the Christian. Luke 9, verse 23. If anyone wants to come after me, basically, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life in this world, whoever wants to preserve his life and his agendas and all his plans in this world will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Matthew 10, verse 37 and following, Jesus says, Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves his daughter or son more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The Father's will for a Christian A sheep of Christ, a saved person, when his grace invades them and he gives them spiritual life and sets them free from the control of sin and the darkness of the world and gives them a new heart and puts his spirit in there, inside of them, is to cause that person to love Christ more than anything in life and that Christ would literally be in that person's heart and their life the preeminent one that they know, 100%, to the point of renouncing even everything you have if necessary. Luke 14, 33, Jesus says, whoever does not renounce everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's why he says, count the cost. This is what true Christianity is. It's far more than statements and and wants and requests or church attendance, or feelings, or sacraments, or baptisms, all of which may be good, but a true Christian is one who follows Christ and and devoted allegiance to Christ. Again, not perfectly. There will be moments of weakness, even doubt at times, sin, but they will turn and they will follow Christ because if you cannot follow him to the end, you will not be saved. You will be devoted to Christ to the very end. You'll never deny Christ and turn from Christ. You can't because when the grace of God grabs you, he holds you for eternity. Praise the Lord. Sixthly, a Christian is a person who genuinely serves Christ and does the works of God. Why? Because this is God's grace at work in a person's life. What are the works that God requires? What are the good works that a Christian does? Well, I'll emphasize this quickly. It's not the religious works that people get entangled by that they think earn them merit with God. This is legalism. A Christian has not trusting in his life, works, religiosity for salvation. He trusts in Christ if you are a trust, if you believe in Jesus intellectually and you trust in your good works to merit some or all of your salvation, my friend in love, I tell you, according to the Bible, you are not yet a Christian. A Christian knows that Christ has done all the good works and a Christian knows that Christ is the merit for their life. Good works that people do to try to earn God's favor are no good works at all. They're just self-serving acts focus on themselves. That's legalism. But when Christ takes a person over and a person is a genuine follower of Christ, then they forego all the self-serving legalism and they go all the things for themselves and they truly do the will of God. Jesus says John 14 12, truly, truly I say to you, whoever has faith in me will do the works that I do. John fifteen sixteen, Jesus says to his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, meaning remain forever, meaning that it's eternal in nature, not just good works in the community that make you look good, eternal bearing mission work truth. If you abide in me, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit and thus prove to be my disciples and bring glory to my father, John 15. How does this happen? How does this happen? By the grace of God. That's how it happens. God's grace causes us to do good works because he changes the person's heart, and literally makes that person love Christ, number one, and love others even more than themselves, a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ controls us so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. That's impossible. How could a person ever love another person, especially at the same way in which Christ loves people? The only way is through the rebirth grace of God that makes a person, uh, it takes a person from being a slave of sin into a slave of Christ, a new creation. We once walked in the ways of our sin, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, controlled by sin, controlled by the passions of this world and the messages of this world, the devil himself, even the passions and pleasures of our own mind and our nature was against God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead and all these things, he made us alive together. It's by grace that we have been saved through faith, which is a gift of God. And God now causes us to walk in good works, which he prepared beforehand. We should walk in them. He's totally changed you. If you're a Christian, a Christian genuinely walks in the ways of God. Before God saves a person, according to the Bible, Romans 5, Romans 8, a person cannot please God. He cannot do good. But when God makes you a Christian, you want to serve God, you love to serve God, and you genuinely want to serve other people. Read Acts chapter 2, starting in 42, and see what happens to people immediately after they were saved in Jerusalem. Paul says to live as Christ and to die is gain. I do not count my life of any value, Acts 20. I'm only here to testify to the beautiful grace of God and help others be saved, and then I know I'm going to die. Serving God is the most satisfying Activity there is for a person to do, and that's only understood by those who are truly engaged. And lastly, according to the Bible, a Christian is a person who is eagerly waiting for the return of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why would a Christian eagerly await the return of Christ? Well, because it's the climax of God's plan. <laughs> and glory awaits that person. This is the hope of your life if you're a Christian. As Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, set your hope completely in the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. And thirdly, because as the Bible says, Paul writes, our citizenship is in heaven. This is your home. The Christian lives in heaven spiritually now and will one day reside there. This is not our home. Earth is not our home. This is a temporary facility that will one day be completely destroyed according to the Bible. Second Peter 3, Hebrews chapter 1. Our home, our citizenship is in heaven. And in heaven, we will see God in all of his glory, in Christ Jesus, our Savior. And if you are a Christian, then by God's grace in your heart, that which you most love is in heaven now, Christ Jesus. And you want Christ to return because you want to be with your Savior and your Lord. This is a Christian, one who loves and wants Christ. Even Jesus says that, when he leaves, his disciples will mourn like a bride will mourn, waiting for the wedding day of her with her bridegroom. Just like women around the world are totally over the top focused on their wedding day when they get engaged. This is a picture of the heart of a Christian. You will share in the glory of Christ and you will see the glory of Christ, and you will be with your King and your Lord. And the one you love who loves you forever. Why? Because God has opened your eyes and now you know eternity. Truly, truly, I say to you, no one can see, understand, perceive the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And when he is, and God makes you a Christian, if he's not already, your eyes and your heart will move more and more and think more and more and crave more and more. Your Savior, your Lord Christ, and you will want to be with him whether it's through death, but especially in his return. When you canvas through the Bible and you look at those who loved God and knew the Messiah and were mature in their faith, they had two eyes, with one eye focused on the Messiah himself and the other eye focused on the kingdom. This is true for Abraham, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Paul, John, and all the rest. A true Christian wants to be with his Lord. The Bible gives a clear description of what it means to be a Christian. There's many false messages in our world that tell you otherwise, and there's false assumptions that people have. It's imperative that we know this for your encouragement if you're a Christian and for the analytics if you are not. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many are going to say to me, Jesus says, on the last day when I return. But Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in ministry in your name? And I will say to them, many will say this, who are expecting Christ to return to get them away from me. I never knew you. (laughs) You do not want to be that person. Be encouraged in who you are as a Christian. And know what it means to be a Christian. It's not easy. It's not an easy life. There will be challenges and rejection and persecution promise, and you might even be killed for your faith. But rejoice and be glad, O Christian, because great is your reward in heaven. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much for listening. Spread the word of God.